Hello everyone, this is Tom Fox. I'd like to welcome you to episode 6 of Across the Board. Across the Board is a podcast on boards of directors and corporate governance. We take a look at issues relating to the board of directors and those who report to the board of directors. In this episode, I visit with Rocky Kumar. Rocky is the Managing Director, ESG Investing and Asset Stewardship at State Street Global Advisors. We visit about a recent white paper released by SSGA entitled Perspectives on Effective Climate Change Disclosures. We take a look at issues related to how climate change impacts businesses from the board of directors' perspectives, what the board should uh, request in terms of oversight to prepare for disruption due to climate change and climate impact, and finally, the business opportunities for companies which engage in strategic risk management around climate change. Rocky has a great line, which is that assets should not and cannot be stranded. And if you don't take a look at this from the board perspective, you may find that your assets are stranded going forward. Across the Board is a part of the Compliance Podcast Network. Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox. I'm the Compliance Evangelist, back with you for another episode of Across the Board, the podcast where we take a dive into various issues relating to boards of directors, risk management, and the strategic use of risk going forward. We take a look at it from the board's perspective. We take a look at it from the investor perspective, and we take a look at it from those who report to the board. Today, uh, you are in for a real treat because I have back with me Rocky Kumar. She is the Managing Director, Head of ESG Investing and Asset Stewardship at State Street Global Advisors. They have recently released a report entitled SSGA's Perspectives on Effective Climate Change Disclosure. As most listeners know, I'm from Houston, so I've been thinking about the climate quite a bit over the last couple of weeks. But this report is really much broader than weather, and certainly hurricanes and even weather. And Rocky was able to uh, take some time to visit with me on this because I think it provides uh, an important set of issues for the board, for investors, and for those who report to the board. So, Rocky, with that somewhat long-winded introduction, welcome and thank you for coming back on the podcast. Thank you so much, Tom, for having me. So uh, could we start out by uh, asking, what was the purpose and methodology of this report? And you know, why did you guys want to put it out to the, to the investing public? Yeah. So, so for us, um, if you, as an investor, we see climate as a risk to our portfolio, climate change related risks uh, um, as a risk to our portfolio. And what we have um, done here is uh, we're trying to give companies insights into what information we find helpful uh, in their climate disclosure to give us the comfort that uh, the board is uh, taking um, notice and paying attention to these uh, long-term risks, as well as uh, uh, the company is taking a robust process to incorporate and and mitigate these risks, as well as seek opportunities um, to position the company for long-term. So I really appreciate that very holistic, uh, uh, not review, but holistic approach because you're not simply talking about detecting or preventing. You're actually talking about using it in your strategic risk analysis going forward for business opportunities. Uh, So I was wondering if you might be able to uh, go into the four areas where SSG feels that a board can better position climate change risk for its organization. 
Yeah. So uh, one of the things that we want to do is uh, we want to clarify that our job is not to micromanage companies. Uh, our job as a, a shareholder is to um, elect the best board we can um, and give the board the um, leeway to provide the oversight required to manage, mitigate risk, help set strategy, and oversee management. Um, and so what we're trying to do is identify four areas uh, which give us insights into, one, is, this, is, a, is the board involved? Two, uh, are they under, undertaking planned activities uh, and uh, robust activities to evaluate climate risk to their portfolio, to, to the company? And uh, the third part is are they incorporating the impacts of climate change into long-term strategy? So we are focusing on uh, and the areas we've called out are governance and board oversight of climate. How is the board providing the oversight? How are they establishing and disclosing the long-term GHG goals, the greenhouse gas emission goals? Um, how are they disclosing the information on carb carbon price assumptions? What are their average and range of carbon price assumptions? And finally, uh, how are the impacts of the scenario planning exercise really being incorporated into long-term capital allocation decisions? So, Rocky, I was wondering if we might be able to unpack each one of those. And first of all, I appreciate uh, certainly your your uh, thoughts on the role of the board as oversight. It's it's not to micromanage or really even manage, but it's there to provide that oversight. And really, how can the board do that from the governance uh, and oversight of climate risk perspective that you detailed in your report? Yeah. So just uh, as background, before we get into the unpacking on, on, uh, of each of these items, I wanted to tell you the methodology we undertook to get to these, to identify these four areas. What we did is, as a global investor, we invested in um, many, uh, oil, not only oil and gas, but all companies, over 10,000 companies globally. And uh, what we did is uh, we focused on what we call the high-impact sectors, which are oil and gas utilities um, and mining um, sectors, which really the, the time horizon for making capital allocation decisions are so long that you can leave, the assets can be stranded if they're not uh, the decisions are not made uh, with information in mind that will be impacting what tomorrow looks like. And so uh, what we did is we uh, looked at 50 companies in these uh, three sectors, uh, global holdings, and, and broke the, their reporting into, or we, we looked at the climate reporting and divided them into two groups. The ones where we thought the climate reporting was useful and the a group which we thought it was not useful. And then we took the reports that we found useful to say, why did we find these useful? What's common about these reports, uh, which we can extract to say, this is not company specific, but it's really information as an investor, I get comfort around. And that's how we identified the four areas. So with that, let's go into each of the items. Um, governance of board and oversight. Uh, you'd be surprised at how many companies do not tell you, um, in these, these sectors, tell you how the board oversees sustainability-related risks, so environmental and social risks, right? Um, the, the companies, there are some companies, uh, European, a lot of European companies, and, and uh, to be fair, you're, uh, even in the U.S., you have uh, some of the leading oil and gas providers, et cetera. They have sustainability committees, that are focused, their job is to oversee this risk. Um, then uh, in some companies, um, even in the oil and gas sector, they will not just address how, they, they don't have it in even the charters or any such thing. Um, 
but but the insight that an investor gets is okay who is really responsible and what is it being looked at in a structured manner by the board if it's a it's a important risk the second item is establishing and disclosing long term ghg goals this is an area where we got a lot of pushback when in our engagement with companies especially us companies um they often will tell us that look we don't want to we we'll give you disclosure on actual emissions of our, from our operations on an annual basis but we really don't want to set goals because if we set goals they can limit our ability to make investment uh, decisions or cap or for example you get a good m&a opportunity and that year if i buy an oil field which may be you know brown um then i have busted my ghg goal uh, that i set and uh the answers an investor is simple right it's okay goals are long term directions that you set but if there's a reason for not meeting a goal uh it's okay to explain it and we as investors are, should be open to that um and you and companies do it all the time when they'll give you non gap reporting or for uh you know say this is a one time write off so don't consider this in your long term views etc the second aspect of uh it's important to look at the goal is because when you understand um the uh, overall um Uh, your your cost of actually buying that gr- uh, brown oil field uh, how much money you're going to have to put in to make it green to get it to your standards and you may be overpaying for that asset and so these are some of the uh, reasons we think actually setting long term ghg goals and we don't mean one two years we mean five years 10 years the other bit bit about setting goals is that any report any scenario planning that you do requires assumptions So when you put in a number we want you to put in a, give some thought to what number you're going to put in as to what your emissions are going to be and that means it requires you to uh do some rigor and robustness it helps build in that robustness in the process um th- the third point we have asked for uh, yeah. before you get to that third point can I follow up on that because I found it really fascinating for a couple of reasons and let me see if I got this right because it sounded like to me what you were you were just uh, talking about was two things one was really just a standard a uh, business process analysis that a company would go through on any investment but here you're asking them to consider uh climate as part of that and and within that in an overall risk uh uh mitigation or excuse me risk management process where you look at the risk you evaluate that risk you see what that risk might cost you to remediate and then make a financial determination is that risk worthwhile um did i understand that right in uh, point 2 on establishing and disclosing goals is really just part of a to facilitate your business process um ab- absolutely because what you're really trying to do is to incorporate the biggest challenge companies have is quantifying the impacts of sustainability uh, or the you know uh, how do you put a dollar value we are used to focusing only on uh, issues that have very significant dollar values attached and in the current system that we are in we do not know how to price right uh, your impacts or or risks Uh, appropriately. And so I think that's the challenge and and you need to then look at various kinds of scenarios and plan for scenarios but then uh, that's the carbon price which I was talking about. But but a, a robust process will have to say okay I need to understand the impact and this impact may be through a a, a quota I may have like 
uh, which on, on my GHG emissions because I have regulation or I have a world tomorrow which will be at a, you know uh, expecting me to control my regulations uh, or my my emissions etc. Does that make sense? It, it makes a lot of sense, and and I guess what I'm hearing is. You're obviously speaking from the investor perspective, but as a board, I would want to see that sort of rigor uh, in a business process for any significant investment or, or any significant asset that uh, my company would have because it's the process to me that's important, the rigor in the process, really not even as much as the final answer you come out with, but if your process is rigorous uh, and there's transparency, uh, I would find much more comfort in that. Exactly. And that's the beauty of the four items that we have identified. It really is meant to, uh, none of us are climate experts, right? And I cannot tell you if your carbon price at seven is right and, or is, should it be 14? That's not up to me. That's up to your expert who you've hired, whose responsibility it is. But I can certainly say you're using seven, but somewhere in Europe, somebody's using 14 with the same kind of uh, footprint that you have or the same kind of uh, ownership or uh, uh, split of, of uh, oil and uh, of, of kind of reserves that we have. So why are we using seven, right? And so it's only giving us the information to question uh, and dig deeper without having to become experts. Now, the as you said, the the idea is not to have the right answer. The idea is just to test robustness. So you started to touch on uh, carbon pr- carbon price assumptions. Uh, obviously, in, in Houston, when we're up and running, that's a very big issue. So why don't you uh, take us into that issue? Right. So carbon price, again, is a very sensitive uh, issue with a lot of companies. Um, it, it's considered very um, – uh, it actually – We've often been told that it is a, a, a price that will give away a lot of competitive uh, information, which is why uh, we've, we've stayed away from the exact price, but we just talked about an average carbon price, which I think is okay. Uh, and then uh, we've talked about ha- uh, both an average price as well as a range of price that you're using because your carbon price will differ based on your uh, geographic uh, ownership or where you, you, you are located and your oil fields are, et cetera. Uh, so I think that's, uh, but, but the carbon price is an important mechanism. It's, the, it's, it's, it's pricing. It, it, it allows you to price, right, the risk into your, that, that model that we've talked about. Right. And so, yeah, so that's why it's important. And, uh, you know, one of the questions I ask is, okay, if, if companies here uh, in the U.S. or in Japan, for example, or some other places say that we can't disclose carbon price because it's competitive, so I said, okay, then how do you use the information provided by your uh, competitor, uh, by your peers in, in Europe uh, to gain a competitive advantage over them, right? If that and, and I haven't still gotten a response that is uh, robust or, or, or compelling, let's just say, as to, look, this tells me X, Y, Z about their strategy. Okay. And then the fourth issue uh, is really about discussing the impact tax scenario planning on long-term capital allocation decisions. I would say most companies do not uh, uh, do uh, provide any disclosure on this. I think we've called out Statoil's reporting as uh, this gold standard as of now with regards to scenario planning. And uh, for example, uh, and we don't want details like 
what 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 Statoil has done, for example, is it says that uh, it'll allocate 15 to 20 percent of its capital expenditure by 2030 to do, to new energy solutions in response to the results of the scenario tests that it carried out. And uh, to us, uh, again, I don't really care if it's a 10%, 5%, 20%. I think what it tells uh, me as an investor is that they, the board has provide, uh, understood what they're trying to do and then incorporated, that's the biggest thing, incorporated the outcomes of this test into its long-term planning. And then I can, the conversations I will have with the board members will be more around, so you said you've had no impact and it's, you've, it's not impacted your capital allocation at all. Uh, you know, the world, and, and it just allows you to have a conversation to get to understand what are the considerations that the, what kind of consideration, what issues did the board consider to make, come to that conclusion? Well, Rocky, it seems to me you've really laid out the process for uh, risk management, and the risk management process is what I really advocate that boards consider uh, whatever the specific issue here is. And then you've ended with um, uh, some things that I think really crystallize why it's so important. Uh, Number one, it demonstrates scenario planning exercise is conducted as a strategic review and not an isolated exercise. And and in my visits with you uh, for a couple of podcasts, you really emphasize that uh, the strategic review or what I would call the risk management process and the process nature of what you're asking these companies to do. But from the board perspective, that is something that I would absolutely demand of my senior management is what is your process and it's not an isolated exercise. Do you find that to be accurate as well? Yes, and and uh, I would uh, wholeheartedly say that we don't have the um, you know answers to all the issues. All we have are uh, is is our ability to provide insights into what we find useful. And uh, again, the it's not the answer; it's the process that is most important. And people make mistakes. There's good faith errors. There's you know, but but shame on us if we do not even see um, the risks uh, that are, you know, right in front of us. So I think the the idea is that, uh, you know, you may miss it, you may plan incorrectly, you may make the, you make the outcome may be wrong, but at least you've given some thought. And I'm, I have a lot of confidence on, you know, with regards to the quality of directors we have on boards to say that most of them do the right thing and they all want to do the right thing. So that's, that's how, uh, what we're hoping that this paper helps them as much as it does uh, the uh, other investors in understanding what we, we expect. And I guess the other thing that really has intrigued me about not only this paper, but your discussion is something that I see um, when there is a risk, there's also a business opportunity if that risk is properly uh, uh addressed, monitored, and managed going forward. Do you or does State Street also see a business opportunity for companies which engage in strategic risk management around climate change? Uh, absolutely. I mean, for us, uh, you know, opportunity is the uh, other side of the coin when it comes to risk. Are right? you going to see a risk and at the same time, you can also see an opportunity. And what do I mean by that? I can give you a few examples, right? Um, we, we've, uh, and sticking to climate, there was, there was a real estate company that we were engaging with, which talked about building along a shoreline. Uh, and um, uh, But before they actually dra- draw up their plans, they actually incorporate 100 years worth of uh, climate 
change patterns to build on a shoreline so that they can then uh, make sure that the building is protected despite being uh, offering the, you know, ability to to see, have great views, etc. But um, that helps the insurance cost. Um, and uh, it uh, just makes sense. Um, so I think that's an example that we can talk about. Uh, another um, issue is, um, you know, we were talking to a company that uh, has gas turbines. It has a monopoly or it, it's, a, it's a large provider of gas turbines. And they said that, uh, you know, what's happening is that uh, wind turbines are becoming the growth in wind turbines is far more than gas turbines right now. So, uh, you know, we better pivot uh, very quickly. And uh, otherwise, we're losing opportunity because we may be the kings of a dying business, uh, but we don't have a foothold. We don't have a foothold in the in the growth business. So those are examples where, uh, you know, you really need to focus on on uh, these risks and 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 then question yourself on whether your capital allocation is appropriate to exploit opportunities. Um, I really like the, that last uh, point you raised because I try to communicate that if you have a robust process, uh, even though you might think it actually takes time, money, and effort, it actually makes you more nimble because you can make these responses, you can see these market trends, and then you're able to respond more quickly before your competitors do because you have more information on which to base your decision, even if that's a capital allocation decision, literally years down the road. So um, I really think the process you've laid out actually makes corporations much more nimble in their ability to respond. Yeah, I would agree. And, and yeah, a good. you make a very good point there, yeah. So unfortunately, Rocky, we are near the end of our time, but as always, it's been a fascinating podcast. Uh, hopefully, I can uh, link to this uh, white paper so that uh, both the uh, boards, investors, and uh, corporations will be able to take advantage of some of the best practices that State Street uh, Global Advisors has been able to identify and hopefully then use this information both specifically around climate change, but also around their process for risk management. So as always, thank you very much. I've been speaking with uh, Rocky Kumar. She is the <clears throat> Managing Director, Head of ESG Investing and Asset Stewardship at State Street Global. Rocky, thank you, and I look forward to continuing the conversation. Thank you so much, Tom. Bye-bye. This is Tom Fox again. I'd like to thank you for listening to this episode of Across the Board. If you have listened to this podcast on iTunes, I would appreciate it if you would rate our podcast as it would help in our rankings and also help get the word out about the newest podcast relating to boards of directors, corporate governance, and their roles going forward in risk management. Also, if you have any questions, please feel free to contact me at tfox at tfoxlaw.com. I hope you enjoyed this episode and I hope that you will join us again for another episode next week of Across the Board. Across the Board is a part of the Compliance Podcast Network. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.